0: I did get into Exile in Guyville like not long after it it came out. You know, it's just crazy that you produced that album and and never mentioned it.
1: Who knew? That was like we were really young in Chicago and had uh, lots of energy and stuff. So, um, yeah. Just, I rarely
0: uh, went to Wicker Park and Bucktown either. Like that was that was too cool for me. <laughs> Right. And also like, (laughs) it is, it's all gentrified now, but it was, it was definitely like a little scarier, a little sleazier, but that's where all the bands were hanging out at the time. And I guess that was Guyville, right? Because the, the, the scene was all this kind of cock rock, you know, uh, you know, guy heavy musicians. So like, how did, how did, did Liz fair approach you about working on this album?
1: yeah a lot of people will just I'm always surprised but they'll they'll just ask and she was working with a first-time producer and so I was kind of coming in and and you know overseeing that too in addition like when they weren't working I would go in and do you know I would I would work with her in a lot of different ways like getting her voice down lower or kind of mining the feminist overtones of that or not overtones the you know themes in that album so there was really you know it wasn't she was surrounded by all dudes who you know, all kind of not awful dudes, but all dudes that are like, uh, frustrating twenty something's dudes. And so um, I'm glad that I got to kind of hold her hand during that time. A bonus conversation between Craig Kakkowski, a fan of Liz Fair, and Tamara
0: Federici, producer of every band ever, already in progress. Did you literally have to hold her hand or are you talking metaphorically?
1: No, no, like literally. I mean, we were kind of like, you know, you would be drinking and in the basement and kind of like, you know, working up things. And then it was like, oh, I love you. I love you, too. You know, whatever. You're going to be huge. Oh, thank you. You know, like, yeah, probably. <laughs> but there was friendly handholding.
0: You, you said you lowered her voice. I mean, she does sing like kind of low and very monotone on a lot right. of those songs. With, mm-hmm. That was your idea?
1: Yeah, I thought we should really, you know, she should make it lower. She's definitely like, she has the vibe of like a middle school uh, alto who, who got cool. <laughs> who, got, who got cool and wants people to notice her and is um, vulnerable, right? So I was like, let's really mine that alto. And um, I have a couple of exercises that I do with, uh, with her that I kind of developed that was sort of a, it was called snake eat mouse. And it's it's where you kind of get your you actually physically open up your your throat like you're gonna like you're gonna unhinge your jaw and kind of let that let that mouse in, and that kind of lowers you know that kind of lowers your register. We actually walked around saying you know like can you give me a good idea for this? I think this is gonna sound better.
0: Well, you mentioned when we talked about Keith Richards for the Tom Waits album, you know that you've worked with the Stones before, and so Exile in Guyville is supposedly like a song by song. Song by song response to the Stones' uh, Exile on Main Street. So, like, there's 18 tracks, I think, on both albums. It kind of tracks in some places, like Never Said is the fifth track, Tumbling Dice is the fifth track on Exile and Main Street. They were kind of like both like the singles and like the poppier song, you know? So, like, is that true? And how much thought do you put into sequencing an album of what track should follow what track?
1: Uh, well, we followed their sequence. It was five, five, four, and then five, four, and it was kind of fun. And then when the Stones heard her album, the Stones wanted to make a response, response album, and that oh, got true. I didn't know that. Weird, yeah. So then from there, they didn't really get like Mick. Did not get Liz Fair's album. Keith, of course, did. He was like, "I love, I love it, man," <laughs> but trying to make the the response album to Liz Fair's response album was so weird because them trying to sound like a feminist uh, sexy anthem doesn't, you know, it doesn't track so well. You know,
0: so that album never came out.
1: It didn't. We had a lot of, I mean, it, it's just tonal differences, right? They're both sexy albums, but they're like rocks off or something. And and translating Liz Fair, uh, you know, she, you know, she talks about dogs and things like that. It would be like a. I want a cream on your dog or something. And it was like, that's not, I don't oh, like yeah. that. I don't Nobody like wants that. To that. <laughs> no, yeah. I don't think anybody does. So I kind of just, it got put on the trash trash heap.
0: I guess talking about explicit lyrics or like controversial songs, I think Flower is the song from Exile and Guyville, which has, you know, I want to be your blowjob queen. And uh, I just want your fresh young Jimmy sliding, sliming, ramming in me. <laughs> Uh, so it, I'm, I'm blushing even, uh, relating some of the lyrics on on that song. What was the process like recording flower? And did you have discussions with Liz about the explicitness of the the lyrics?
1: Uh, we did. Um, she felt like, I felt like it could go either way. Um, she didn't really need them. She felt like she did need them to get her point across. And I think it's actually. Would you say either way?
0: That means that there was a totally clean version of that song.
1: Both are valid, but all, you, can only, you can only choose one, and then we realize you don't have to choose. You can have
0: both. But what, what was your cleaner version of flower like?
1: <laughs> it was it was just um, completely without words.
0: <laughs> I will say in in contrast to the other thing we talked about, uh, Tom Waits' Rain Dogs, which has like all these musicians and instrumentation, like this is way more lo-fi, right? A lot of it is just. Just her and guitar or her in guitar and drums, maybe. Like what was the decision to like strip this one back?
1: Well, she actually wanted the 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 I am maybe a lush sound. She wanted the um things put around her vocal. She wanted music put around her vocals. So it kind of just follows that. You know, I wanted t- to have a little bit more ocean sounding, and her sounds more you know, like what she's known for, which is you know, depressive, (laughs) it's, um, angst. It's rock about people who aren't treating you well and the turnover of, uh, of men in your life. And we talked about like, um, I came up with a phrase called non-essential men. And so this is about a period in her life when there were like many, many non-essential men. So I feel like these are anthems about non, non non-essential men.
0: When you say ocean sounding, do you mean like the sound of the sea or are you referring to Billy ocean? Like, did you want it to sound more like get out of my dreams, get into my car?
1: She went that direction after a little bit.
0: Really? Yeah, <laughs> but, she um, did. she kind of did. Yeah, she yeah, went in a whole Billy Ocean. She had a yeah. Billy Ocean phase. But yeah. I think you've
1: pinpointed, I think you have pinpointed something I missed, which is I think she meant that. And I think I meant the rolling sounds of the ocean. And we've never, that has never been clear to me she, that she was going into that place of get into my car. Wow. Oh my gosh.
0: I'm glad that we were able to uncover that. Well, you must've worked with Billy Ocean at some point, right?
1: Oh, I did. He's really fun. I think he rides a moped exclusively. So cars don't come up. That was just a persona of a guy who has a car.
0: Really? Cause uh, get out of my dreams, get on my moped just doesn't have the same you know, vibe
1: at, in the eighties. I think you had to, they thought that ladies would be more impressed with the, you know, they, they cared about what type of vehicle it was, where I feel like now we don't, we don't care.
0: You'll get on the back of that moped.
1: Sure. Right. Let's recycle. Right. I'm in.
0: I've had this album, you know, since like the year it came out and like looked at the cover many times and only in like relooking at it today, do I realize that she's topless on the cover?
1: Yeah, <laughs> you, you
0: may, maybe as the producer, you don't have anything to do with how it's promoted, like the uh, the the pictures or anything.
1: Um, uh, that one I did. They brought me a bunch of pictures, and um, that one I was like, "That looks like a real sexy haunting. Let's do it."
0: But yeah, you can see just a little bit of of, of areola on the uh, on the cover.
1: It's it's always off putting. Like it doesn't get less off putting, which is sort of the genius of the album. Is she? It's everything that dudes wanted her to. Be sort of, which was scary, sexy, and nip.
0: And then over, how how do you assess like the arc of her career since uh, since exile?
1: You know, I think of it a couple of different ways, but most recently, I think about it as everybody has something to say about her, and uh, mostly it's mostly it's rock guys, and they seem to have criticisms that they wouldn't give to other artists. And I also think she doesn't get away. With what Mick Jagger could have gotten away with, you know, like if he's if he did fashion some of these lyrics, we'd be fine with it. He can say anything he wants in those songs, even though there's sort of a British, you know, overtone of them. It's still sort of the same the same subjects, even though hers are more, um, you know, from the female experience and a little a, a more emotional and a little more graphic. I think she gets kind of a raw deal, even even though she she decided to go a more commercial direction, which you figured out (laughs) how the moment that that started but um yeah I think she takes a lot of flack actually
0: yeah there was a like a pitchfork critic who gave her like that popular Liz Fair album a 0.0 like and I think he was like 19 at the time and like just to be a dick and then like gave her a public apology like years later on, on Twitter, you know, explaining like what, what a Dickie was and like how he would not assess the album like that harshly. And she kind of like, and now there's a whole generation of like younger artists, like soccer mommy and snail mail who were like clearly very influenced by, by Liz fair. And then more like pop singers who also were like incorporating elements and doing like more sexually explicit, you know, and and personal songs so like she really was way ahead of her time Craig Kakkowski is an actor and improviser based in Los Angeles
1: people usually recognize him from drunk history community veep or dozens of projects he was not in Tamara Federici lived in a yellow submarine super tricky the producer and editor is Will Velasquez the audio engineer is Clark Jackson executive producers Carl W. Adams and Tamara Federici. Goodbye 2022, and hello you. Kazoo Sound. Follow on Instagram at every band ever.